This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast, season eight, episode 16. I'm John DeCarlo, joined once again by Kyle Gauss, Devon Edmonds, and Caden Steele. What's going on, guys? uh interesting what are we going to call it 18 hours or whatever i'm not a mathematician i hate analytics so <laughs> he hate analytics so he failed at elementary school math Caden, <laughs> <laughs> you got a little flyers poster in the background you cup crazy no i really don't give a crap about the flyers but just have it tell that say that, honest, to, say that to john tortorella's face Caden. I know that's on the bench. Sports. I guess he said he they suck. So I mean, kind yeah. of neutral, you know, feeling. You know, at least Philadelphia can get along with them. They're better this year than they have been, but yes, they're still a bad hockey team. And I still can't name ten flyers. Just put an E at the end of every like a general nickname, like oh Smitty. Yeah, Smitty's out there. Tortsy's out there. Like yeah. odds <laughs> are, like. <laughs> what would our hockey nicknames be? Galsy. Uh yeah maybe. Vani, can you imagine you playing <laughs> hockey? Steely, me, me playing yeah. hockey. Yeah, Steely works. <laughs> I mean, I imagine me playing hockey. I'm just wondering, like, imagine like your general demeanor. I don't um, know if John has <laughs> enough mean streak to play hockey. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Just gonna say that. Why can't I just be like a like a high scoring right winger that gets along with everybody? I just don't get into the in the into the muck of anything I don't check. I just I just score goals. Because damn it, that's not what we need on this team, John. But that is, I mean, yeah, it's not 1990s, 1980s hockey anymore. You might be able to get rid of that. Get away with it. Oh, well. Let's uh, let's let's talk Temple hockey. There's a club hockey team, right? <laughs> famous famous number 16s. Paul Gasol, easy. Joe Montana. Um, yeah. Jake uh, White, Whitey Ford, right? White Ford, we're number 16. I don't know. I he, I mean, I've admitted to You've this. You've been really right? off. You're like, Roberto, no, 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 no. Here's what, yeah, first of all, Whitey Ford definitely wore 16. Okay. I don't, I don't know for sure. I was just asking. Second of all, I have been completely transparent where be, prior to these scoops, I Google famous number, whatever, and then I try to see if I remember it like an hour later. So when I You're so studying like, for the test, yeah, exactly. Look, there was no, there was a study hall period beforehand. I, Peeled off my uh, water bottle label. I wrote the answers to it and I re-adhesived it. Sometimes it smears. I didn't know that was a thing. Okay, so Kyle's a cheat. That's how I cheated Um, in uh, high school, like chemistry. Yeah, you just peel off the water label, you write the formulas, and you re-adhesive it on. (laughs) Um, Arch Manning, he wore 16, didn't he? Does he not anymore? Archie. 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 Yeah. Well, speaking of flyers, didn't Bobby Clark wear number 16? Oh, yeah. Bobby Clark wore 16. Us, us true puckheads, we know that. <laughs> I'm gonna be a homer and just say Ryan Mountcastle. No, not Mountcastle. Trey Mancini before he got traded. I, yeah, Mancini. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boomer Bust wide receiver Tyler Lockett. Yeah, sixteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jim that's sixteen. Jim Plunkett. Jim Plunkett. Wow. Kate, I know you googled that one. I hey, hate to write you out. No, Jake, Jake Plummer. 
Didn't he wear 16? You say Jake Plummer or Jim Plunkett? I thought you said or Jim both Plunkett. Them. Both thought, of them. Wow. Both of them. Jake, Jake Plummer. Jake the, Jake the snake. snake, baby. What's a he string. up to right now? Uh, no, I know, right? Isn't Jake Plummer, um, he makes, he grows mushrooms. Like, not like, no, not like uh, psychedelic mushrooms. Like, I think he just grows like mushrooms as like a thing. I, there so was he's a living, huge, so he's uh, living in Kenneth Square? No, God, I can tell you too many Kenneth Square stories. Um, but no, I think it, who has too many Kenneth Square? I worked a summer in Kenneth Square, and it was like I worked out of a a charter elementary school that just was like digitizing all of their student records. So every day I would come in, I'd show, I'd have to leave downtown at like six thirty in the morning to get there at eight. Take these weird back roads to Kenneth Square. You get out, it smells like shit everywhere because they're growing mushrooms everywhere and probably meth. And you're down there and I'm just working. I would just go. I would do 45 minutes of work. And then I would do seven hours of playing a baseball simulator called simyard.com. And I would track the average uh, price of gas that year because the gas had peaked up. And I'm just on gasbuddy.com. I'm just like, oh, we're going to get back under three. We're going to get back under three. And I would just track the data. Kyle, did you say it smelled like mushrooms and possibly meth? Or did I hear you? Uh, it, so I don't know what meth smells like. I know okay, that... I just wanted you to clear that up for the FBI. I said they were growing was... mushrooms and presumably meth. Okay, okay. Oh, how long have I known you? Like 12 years? This is the first time I heard that you worked in Kennet Square. Uh, Yeah, I think it was the summer of 08. Hmm. No, summer of 09. It might have been the first year I started OwlScoop. Hmm. Because I meant to work that job and then immediately go and work deliver pizzas. And I just no called, no showed my first double shift because I was too tired. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, get some some cool places to eat in Kennet Square. Got Longwood Gardens down there. Holidays are coming up. Other than that, I don't know. I don't know where else we go with this other than directly into basketball. Got a, got a, enigmatic temple basketball team to talk about temple football team got some mailbag questions if you're a temple basketball fan you were feeling great it's friday night after the win over villanova then after last night's loss overtime loss to vanderbilt you're not feeling so good i mean we could touch briefly on the villanova win guys but i don't want to say it's ancient history it's an important win jamil reynolds played well we know how that went down. The fans stormed the court. Great vibes. But now, Saturday, Sunday, almost Monday, lost to Delaware State. <laughs> yes. And now here we are back on this little rock that we call Earth. Yep. <laughs> um, what do you guys make of last night? The overtime loss. Um, we had a ton to cover. Obviously, Damian Dunn's playing at a super high level. We'll talk about what's going on with Caleb Battle. Did not play much. Aaron McKee had his quote that we'll get to. Uh, more solid play from Jamil Reynolds. Jaleel White has now fouled out in two of three games this season. Pretty efficient floor game from Isaiah Miller. Not much scoring. I don't know that they really needed that from him last night. Uh, improved shooting from Zach Hicks, but um, they're one and two now. Where where does Temple go from here? Where do we where do we start in talking about this game? Uh, where do they go from here? <clears throat> Hell of a question. Uh, the Mohegan Sun Arena in Uncasville, Connecticut, the see a Rutgers team that has made the last two NCAA tournaments and would have made it in 2020 had the pandemic not happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they they will go to Brooklyn, New York, for the Barclays Center. Uh, Empire Classic to play a St. John's team that is always competitive in the Big East and very good shot to make the tournament this year. 
and then either Richmond or Syracuse. Richmond has been the team that will tease you in the beginning of the season and the Atlantic 10 and then start falling off. And a Syracuse team that is falling off, which I know Kyle is happy about, uh, <laughs> that our good friend Matt Langle uh, just handed a loss to last night. So, um, I don't know. Our you, good friend. Hand to hand, gun to your head, could you point Matt Langle out of the lineup? Maybe. No. <laughs> Maybe. No. Gun to my head, I can I can really put a face together with a gun to my head. <laughs> um but no, like I mean, come on. Y'all 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 heard my reaction. Well, read my reaction in the group chat last night. Yeah. It, it's it's conference tournament. Reaction and reaction is how I would call that. It was very reactionary. It, it was. And you know what? Um, you know, about twenty hours later, I know I keep switching my math up, like I said, not a math guy. Um I feel the same way. Like they, they've got to. You still think that they're that they're no? You, you backtracked initially. You said their at large chances are done. No, no, no. I still believe that. The only way that I don't think it's not, they've got to sweep this weekend, and a lot of stuff has to happen this season. I don't know if you can sell to the committee, Wagner and Vandy. You keep saying know. sell it as if it's like okay, guys, we're we're gonna do ten pitches today, and we're gonna choose eight of them. Like they don't have pitches like that the whole the whole, the whole way that. that they made their out of conference schedule was the hopes that you get like two or three teams that you stole a win from that you hope that in march they got everything together and it looks good on paper they did not create this out of conference schedule saying we have to go 10 and 2 they were hoping like if you go eight and four in this out of conference schedule or eight and whatever how many games it is and two of those wins or three of those wins are Nova, Rutgers, and like I said, St. John's, and then those teams go on to be good, then great. Everything's fine. Rutgers, you have a good chance. They're, they're probably playing without Paul, I always butcher his last name, Molokai or Malaki, and Caleb McDonald, McConnell. So all of a sudden, you're talking about a situation where Damian Dunn playing the best basketball of his life is going to go into a neutral site with 600 people in the arena and play a team that you can probably have a chance to steal a game against that looks a lot better in March. So by no means do I think here on November 16th that their at-large chances are are done. People in I love your optimism. love their Rutgers and Temple basketball. Oh, yeah. Now, yes. I, I love your optimism, but the thing is, from what I've seen from this team in three straight games, how the hell am I supposed to trust them to take care of business during the conference? Who's Rutgers played this year? I'm, I'm going to say it again. I'm, that, Nobody's. That nobody. They haven't gotten punched in the mouth in 11 months. That's the and this whole is a, point of this out-of-conference schedule. Is and this is a Temple team that can't defend and just it's played sloppy basketball. You got Jalil White who can't stay on the floor. You got Hysir Miller who won't take a shot, and when he does, he shoots. Hysir Miller played the best game of his season last night. And, like, he did and, and exactly again, you what got a, his role you got a guy who, This isn't 2K, Javon. Not everybody Kyle, I don't give a damn about 2K. You got a guy out there starting that shoots 36% for his career. Like, what are we talking about here? I can't trust this team to go do something against a team that's proven themselves to make, I'm going to call it, three straight NCAA tournaments. And this, this, there's a team right here who literally cannot defend without Jeremiah Williams or Ty Strickland still being in the program. You got uh, a forward who can't stay on the floor. You got a point guard who won't shoot him when he does, can't make shots. And then you got a coach trying to, I guess, send a message, I don't know, to the only other isolation score you have on the team for some old antiquated reason, Aaron, let's get you're in the let's fourth get, year of a fifth-year contract. Let's get into you're it. not making the let's, tournament let's, without Caleb Battle. Let's for a second have Javon stop talking out of his ass, and let's actually talk about that topic. Let's talk about exactly what he just talked about. What? What? what, what why, don't you, why don't you flesh into that last part there? An flesh into that last part? An antiquated reason for why somebody stopped playing basketball. Yeah, no, no, no. Let, let, let's get into this. 
I don't give a damn how so hard, hard he's been to work with this summer. We haven't heard. I, I, first of all, I want to know what hard to work with is because I'm sorry. I've seen too many coaches label somebody as a diva. That's not a diva. No best scorer in basketball and no lead singer in a singing group has no bit of diva in them. I'm sorry. That's just not the world we live in. When somebody knows they're good and they earned the right to say, hey, I'm pretty damn good. That's what happens, okay? I'm sorry, Aaron McKee. They earned the right to not participate in huddles after struggling on five in the first half. Kyle, I promise you, I'm going to let you go uninterrupted with your rebuttal. I I doubt that, but okay. No, 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 I I promise you. (laughs) I'm making a promise to you right now. My point is, you got a guy who averaged 21 and a half last year. You're in the fourth year of a a five-year contract with a new athletic director. You have not made an NCAA tournament yet. Your two best players are Damian Dunn and Caleb Battle. You're not making a tournament without KB, which means you're not getting an extension without him. So now there's a decision, because you said this either last week or two weeks ago. Either Temple's going to go in with a lame duck coach and lose out on Bethea, lose out on Bevins, lose out on Kafik Myers, right, and have nothing going for them, or or bring in a new coach and, and see what it goes. Either way, his job relies on the tournament, which means, hey, I'm sorry. You, kiss KB's ass. I don't know. Something. Make it right because you're not making it without him. And I'm 100% on his side. Don't be disengaged from the huddle. Whatever. I get it. But if you're out there missing open shots because you're out of it because you average 21 and a half and some guy who shoots 36% for his career is starting over you, you're damn right I'm on the side who's pissed off about that. 100%. He's got 100% reason to be pissed off about coming off the bench this season i'm not wavering back from that whatsoever and then you got shane dezoni who you say you're going to let play against his former team then he gets two minutes come on man that's bad morale and I, I i'm not inside that locker room however if i'm dezoni i'm pissed and if i'm a teammate of shane's i'm like hey coach you just told the media you're going to let him play against his former team and you only gave him two minutes what's up with that that's just me personally i know not everybody thinks like me my opinion matters very little to the grand scheme of things. That's just how I feel about the situation. I think Aaron McKee needs to be held accountable for a lot of stuff that's going on right now, and you just can't pile on to just what Caleb Battle has going on. And our sports update, that tweet today, very despicable taste of of media, very despicable. Kyle, the floor is yours. I won't interrupt, I promise you. I think in the end of the day, nobody is bigger than the team and that the best players should play. I think we are in agreement with that. I think if one of your best players is minus 17 in 19 minutes of play, in addition to his sloppy demeanor and not participating huddles, then yes, he should be held accountable and should be benched for the second half of the game. He was playing like shit. Yes, he played well against Nova. He was a liability on defense that wasn't making shots on offense. Even throughout this whole demeanor situation, he still got his shot in the second half, still looked bad, got benched. I don't think scoring was the reason they lost that game, right? Damian Dunn is like number three in the nation in scoring right now. He's playing the best basketball of his life. If Caleb Battle is not making shots in that game, he is a liability. You talk about Temple can't can't possibly be Rutgers because it doesn't play defense, but yet you want to put a guard out there who is a bad defensive player on the floor. Shane Dazzoni has by no means earned the right to be catered to or babied in his life. If he goes out there, yeah, he played two minutes. Should he have played more? Maybe. Guess what? He might have a lot of minutes coming his way now in this scenario. Is Aaron McKee a perfect coach? By no means is Aaron McKee a perfect coach. 
in a three-game sample size, am I ready to crucify him like you appear to be? No, I think it's early. I think it's November 16th, and we're a tenth of the way through the regular season. These things tend to play themselves out. That's all I agree. about that. I agree with you. He's not scoring, and he was definitely a liability was horrible on defense. Yeah, me and Caden said the defensive part. He was a liability. I understand second half of last night, take him out overtime, take him out. However, the whole situation as a whole, the, like the situation as a whole, though, I think should be handled way better. Seriously. But, and but last like, night was who, probably – go ahead, who, Kyle, go ahead. Who cares about the starter part? Like, legitimately, like, it'd be one thing if you were like, okay, he's not starting and he's playing 19 minutes a game. He's playing, like, when he was starting, he was playing, like, 38 minutes. Like, I, I, I we talked about this before. I find it hard to be, like, sympathetic about a situation when somebody, okay, they're coming off the bench and they expected this to be the storybook year that they average 22 points a game and they become a first-round pick and everything works out. Well, guess what? Three games into it, there's been bumps in the road. It hasn't worked out. But I have... It's hard for me to be sympathetic about you played 31 minutes and you take the most shots out of anybody on the team. Like he has plenty of opportunities to get his and he got his against Nova. He probably expected that to be the, okay, I paid my dues. Now let me start against, uh, against Vandy and let's figure this thing out. And it didn't happen. And here we are. Yeah. So just to review again, if you're a temple basketball fan, you know this by now, just in case you don't 19 minutes last night for Caleb battle, two points, both the foul line over five from the field. So he's come off the bench in all three games this season. Javon asked Aaron McKee after the game, I think you said, I'm going to be doing my job if I didn't ask you what's going on with Caleb Battle. And Aaron McKee just simply said, I just played the guys who I felt wanted to be out there. And he moved on. So something we don't know, we're not in the locker room. Something's going on there. I think I, I think I know Aaron well enough to know that if everything was copacetic and it's normal for teams to have issues, I think Aaron would have said, nah, we like him, still believe in him. I, I feel like he didn't have it, but just needed him to sit and watch the game, learn the game from the sideline. He obviously seemed ticked. Something's not firing there. I don't know how this is going to get resolved, but something's up. I, I want to go back to something Javon said. Javon said he's seen too many coaches label people as divas. By no means has Aaron McKee come out and trashed Caleb Battle. No, he has like, not. Right? So, like, that was probably a little bit of an unfair comment on your end. Uh, because if anything, it feels like he's protecting his player and just saying like, look, I wanted to play the guys that wanted to be out there. He didn't say, oh, this happened at halftime and that's why Caleb wasn't out there. Oh, Caleb didn't participate in huddles and then I moved on to the next guy. I think he's handled it about as well as he can, at least from a public perspective. What I'm, happened I'm, within that locker room, nobody on this call is privy to. I'm going to add in my two cents here, um, which is what a whole podcast is for. don't know why the hell I said that. Um, <laughs> number one, the minutes played part. Kyle. I promise you, it's not about the minutes played. That starter tag means something. That means you've earned something. That means your coach respects you as a player. And damn it, Caleb Battle has earned the right to be a starter. Like, it's that simple. You're sending me to prove a message. And I got another one for you right here. What did Caleb Battle do this spring? Rehab. No, 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 no. Outside of rehab. <laughs> After the rehab, what did he do? What do you, what do you enter the NBA draft process? Sure. This kid, this kid has made it clear to you. He intends on trying to play professional basketball life. Oh, wow. He, that he must has come out of nowhere. Oh, no, the coaching oh, oh, staff. Kyle, Kyle, Kyle. I get it. Everybody has. Everyone wants to play NBA Kyle. basketball. Let me finish. Let me finish, Kyle. Okay. The, this ain't just normal professional. The guy wants to go to the NBA. To do that, it's safe to say he needs a year. Now is a guy who, once again, me and Dunn are the only prolific scorers on this team. 
And you, as my head coach, you're vested. Your job is to not only coach us, get us better as basketball players as men, but to protect our interest. You know I want to go to the draft, and you're doing this. Now you're taking away the ability for me to go ahead and possibly make a six-figure contract to start off with as a two-way player and put money and food into my mouth and that of my family. And you're opting to do this. That becomes a personal issue also. There's a lot more than just this on-the-court basketball stuff that's going on. This basketball stuff is more mental and has more to do with off-the-court than it does on the court. Like, there is a lot of factors that go into it that not enough people think about where I'm, I refuse to bash KB for this. Last night, he played bad. I understand. Bench him for that second half. He was atrocious on defense, whatever. But that 0 for 5 he was, we've seen KB make all five of those shots more times than we've seen him miss it. Those misses were simply because I am frustrated because I do not feel respected. It's that simple. From what I can see, I'm not coming off the bench for a 36% shooter as a 21 and a half point per game score. I'm just not. The guys aren't the right. John and Caden, I know y'all want to get in on this. Two things. One, Aaron McKee's job is to win games. It's not to baby his players. It's you can't win without KB. Oh, you, well, you, you guess can't. what? They almost just did, and they were they were almost plus, doesn't count in life, Kyle. They were plus twenty without him and minus seventeen with with him. Like, guess what? You, I feel like you've just created this fantasy scenario in your world where Aaron McKee came out and said, "I don't give a shit about Caleb Battle. I'll win this game my way. Fuck you, Javon." None of these things happened. You, he came out. He said, "Hey, I just wanted to play the guys I wanted to play," and you have then taken this to. Well, KB feels disrespected. All this stuff happened. And the only way that Aaron McKee is going to keep his job is if he does things the way that I, Javon, have rosterbated this roster. And that's not what happened. He's playing to play the game. Caleb Battle had the worst half of his season. Guess what? He still had an opportunity to come out in the second half. He looked just as bad. Aaron McKee made the decision to go with the lineup that was working. Nick Jordan coming off the bench was giving them intensity on defense. They go with a slightly bigger lineup instead of Caleb Battle. All this worked until, guess what? They lost in overtime. Get Great. Do you want to hold Aaron McKee accountable to the fact that one and two? Sure, absolutely. Is it because of that he hasn't baby Caleb Battle the right way? No, I don't buy that. I mean, my I'll just say very simply, none of us know what's going on behind closed doors. But and again, I don't presume to know what's going on with Caleb, but like I think that Aaron McGee wants to win basketball games. He played, you shouldn't compare the situations. He played with one of the most enigmatic, high maintenance guys in the world with the Sixers. Like, it's not like he hasn't seen high maintenance behavior in the past. I don't think that, I don't think that Aaron McKee doesn't know that they need Caleb battle to win. I think he knows what he's capable of. He saw what he was capable of against Villanova. I don't think there's some sort of like contrived reason where he's just trying to be like tough on him. I don't know. I, I would be very curious to know what's going on there. Um, they're obviously butting heads. I don't know what's going on. I think Aaron McKee knows that he's super talented, but I don't I don't necessarily think that Aaron McKee would just cut off his nose despite his face here. I would just be curious to know what's what's going on. Well, yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm done touching the KB thing. Um, I've said my piece on it. I'm not changing it. Kyle's not changing his his mind on it. Um, and he he see I want you to know, Kyle, it's beyond just last night's game for me. Um, John, are we calling Allen Iverson high maintenance? What, was he not high maintenance? <laughs> I think we've got different definitions. If, for me, high maintenance for Allen Iverson would have been getting me another all-star in here or else I'm like forcing my way out. I think Allen Iverson for the hand he was dealt. Oh, raise your hand if you covered Allen Iverson. Well, no, of course I didn't. Feel free. John, John, John does have more experience. <laughs> okay. He went to practice a lot. 
loved him as a player, but like they dealt they dealt with a lot. Loved him, revered player, but like again, I'm just saying, and we'll move on to something else. We don't know exactly what's going on, but I, I I can't imagine a scenario where Aaron McKee wouldn't say, yes, this kid's very talented. I'm sure they got the rub on him when they took him as a transfer from Butler. They've spent a couple seasons with him. They spent an entire offseason with him. They spent a lot of time with him. There must be something going on there that they either have to work out or can't get worked out. I, I think Aaron McKee knows that he can shoot the heck out of the ball. He's a good scorer. I don't know that he would just be just saying, I'm just going to be extra hard on this kid when he doesn't deserve it. I don't know what's going on there, but I think this team also has beyond Caleb Faddle. They've got some other issues again. They can't defend. They can't defend. Um, and I, and I do think, you know, Aaron McKee coming out of like, you know, in post game press conference. And again, I'm paraphrasing. He said, it's not like we didn't go. Didn't he say something like, Oh, and it's not like we didn't just emphasize defense. Like he said something, what, what was his exact quote? Um, uh, what was what was the quote in the story? He said something, um, said something to the effect of like, I mean, he just seemed exasperated by the way they were defending. That is, that's, that's on, oh, yeah. that's on the yeah. staff. They have not defended well. Again, they are still figuring each other out, but yeah, they're in a season where they got to figure each other out quickly. They're not defending well. Jaleel White has not been able to stay on the floor. Um, I don't really know. And again, we don't, we don't expect college teams to run super, super complex things offensively. I just don't know what their identity is on offense. Again, when we were talking amongst ourselves last night and I think Sam Cohn said this, like they seem to be a talented group of guys who can all do their own individual thing. Mm -hmm. But a lot of them were just like standing around last night and not moving well without the ball is, are they the only college basketball team in America that does that? No, but yeah, I think Temple's stuck in this trap, whether it's like there's been so much of the focus. They want to get to the tournament. They want to get to the tournament. Of course they do. This non-conference schedule and like everything's under a microscope. And yeah, it should be. But like, yeah, they're not moving well without the ball. I don't know. They look like they have an identity, excuse me, an identity when they're working the ball through uh, through Jamila yeah. Reynolds. I'm not saying you got to do that in every play, but when he's not on the floor, they look a little lost. And you're relying a lot on the individual ability of Damian Dunn, who's been spectacular but he's playing a ton of minutes Aaron had said I want to be able to go eight nine guys deep you know it's it's November and yes Damian Dunn's a young player and he's really good but he's gassed he's playing a ton of minutes you want him to play a ton of minutes I just don't know what their offensive identity is and I they've got issues to sort out beyond Caleb Battle that I'm seeing the yeah, problem I, is when Jamil Reynolds is off the floor either Corey Yonkic or Nick Jordan is on the floor we've yeah. all had our opinions of how inconsistent Jordan is and mm -hmm. poor Yonkish just looks like he still has not learned how to play basketball I know he got what two blocks last night but core looks lost when he touches the ball roll he's slow on a pick and roll like I'm 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 not a fan of core yeah Yonkish. the problem is Jamil was getting abused defensively too yeah like, he was Tw like, uh Robbins was cooking him Robbins looked phenomenal which was Probably a little uncharacteristic. Like, there's a reason he's a rotational big at this point after that pretty good career in Minnesota. But, like, yeah, like, they don't really have a, a defensive presence down low. Honestly, I thought Nick Jordan last night was, like, the perfect Nick Jordan game. Like, you were a little energetic on defense. On defense, You weren't forcing threes. He took no shots from the field. Um, but, yeah, I mean, bench scoring five points off the bench is not going to 
cut it in this league, like period. But like, I, I, I just find it hard to kind of focus too much on their offensive woes considering they scored 89 points. Mm-hmm. Like, like obviously like over the course of a season, yeah, they're going to have a lot of games where they struggle with that type of offense. But last night, like wasn't it like they, they were able to score last night. I think defensively, like you mentioned it's on the staff and it is, but there's also definitely still noticeable slowness in processing basketball moves. Like I, I literally, you can watch guys on the wing in this game and this team and it looks like it takes them a half a second to register what's going on at times. Like it, I can't put it entirely on the staff when there's also players that just seem like they've regressed defensively. He just said that the quote I was thinking of was just going back and uh, going back into the transcription of the audio. And Aaron just said, he just sounded, obviously, who wouldn't sound ticked off after a loss? He just sounds frustrated like he's not getting through the team. He just said we were out of sure. sorts. Why? I don't know. A lot of it is our communication to start with, we don't have talkers. Um, it's what is it? so it's something that we've been working on every day, and we didn't do a good job of it, and it cost us. Um, so we I, I, I want to focus on that, Javon. Let me ask you this: Is that where this team misses? Obviously, is on the ball skills as well. Well, but is this is that where somebody miss? They miss like a Jeremiah Williams or a Nate Pierre Louis in that like communication on defense aspect. How, how even a Ty Strickland would be serviceable right now? Not. Not well, more than serviceable. You all know I'm higher on Ty Strickland than most people are. Um, yeah, clearly. Like that's my other thing with high seer. Like it's quiet. We know how college basketball works. Ty Strickland probably got a little, hey, you want to enter the portal, we won't be mad at you. We've got this kid from South Philly right here. You know, if the staff is going to put that much faith in you. At least step up into the role of the guy they, you know, phased out for you. Granted, it's the third game. I don't want to overreact. He's still got, what, 27 more games, you know? Yeah, I thought he was more aggressive last night. He was you know, more aggressive yeah. on offense. Yeah. But, like, got to get it going a little bit more, you know? Um. Yeah, they, 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 just the defense was, it was rough for me to watch last night. I'll tell you. Uh, like, the communication on the screen. The communication on these on the down screens for Studi, like bro, come on, man. They they let that guy light them he up. He's open way too much. Yeah. And then he talked Nick into missing a free throw. Also, I don't know if y'all picked that up on the TV broadcast. <laughs> but late in that fourth quarter, not fourth quarter, what would have been the fourth quarter? Excuse me. When Temple went two for five in the clutch from the charity strike, one of those misses belonged to Nick Jordan. And Studi was smiling and talking that whole time to him. Like, like it, it's just, like you said, they got kinks to work yeah, out. Yeah, I thought, no, like, in the end, you give up 89 points to a team that just scored 48 the way, like, the, the game exactly. before. Like, you got abused, and is that a concern going forward? Yeah, but, like, I feel like this might be oversimplifying things, but those are also the things that are, like, correctable. Like, defense in college basketball, so much of it can be just hustle and, like, actually, like, wanting to play defense. And hopefully starting off one and two tells this team, like, yeah, you're not good enough to get by without playing defense. Yeah. Also, Kyle, I do want to throw in there. Um, Aaron's presser was a little uncharacteristic from him in one aspect. Maybe I'm looking too far into it, but I like you. We never hear Aaron talk past the next game at the most. He'll look ahead the next week. He said something about regretting these two losses in February and March last night. Like, he specifically said, 
and I and I just put it into a story. So I have the quote like readily available. He said, um, come February, March, we're going to look back and start pointing to these games. Like it's going to cost us big time. I've never heard Aaron look that far into the future. Well, I mean, it only it's only going to cost them big time if they figure things out. Right. Like if they go 12 and 18, it doesn't matter what happened with these games. Like if by him saying that, that's him thinking eventually they're going to figure this out and they might like they're look they look back at him for two different reasons. I think, I think Wagner is going to be a bad loss. I think Vanderbilt's going to be like, you know what? Like that was just an opportunity to get like another, whatever quad two win, whatever ends up being like, it's not like they're not going to finish number 10 in the net like Vandy, but like they should be a team that like, might hurt might like that has an opportunity but yeah i mean look i think i think Aaron mckee shows visible frustration at times i think the way he talks is visibly frustrated i think a lot of times with him i go back to the when you talk to like baseball players like it was never like like hank aaron and and barry bonds and joe dimaggio were never the best coaches it's always like the catchers that had to like grind and like struggle things out because they're able to like teach better so sometimes I go back to that with Aaron McKee where like it maybe it's hard for him to process why aren't things working because they worked for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think he's frustrated. I think he has every right to be frustrated. Like they're one and two. Wait, there's, there's only so many ways that we can like, basically come, it comes down to like, they are one and two. Mm-hmm. They are one and two when they should be three and out. Like that's what it is. Mm-hmm. So like, I understand that that causes people's blood to boil and people get so pissed off and the only reason that people aren't necessarily calling for Aaron McKee's job right now is because they just beat their number one rival but like in the end they are one and two yep and so looking ahead to Rutgers like Kyle said they might be without uh Caleb McConnell hasn't played in the first three games Paul Mulcahy uh didn't play much what like nine to ten minutes in the in the UMass Lowell game but Still pretty good team. Again, they they have played Columbia, Sacred Heart, and UMass Lowell, so it's not like Rutgers has really been t- uh, tested. I mean, they 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 did what they were supposed to do against Columbia and Sacred Heart. I mean, thirty eight point win over Sacred Heart, uh, forty point win over Columbia, and things were a little too close against UMass Lowell. But they still got Cam Spencer, who's been very good as a Loyola transfer. Big Cliff, the the big, big Cliff's big Cliff's the concern. <laughs> Yes, Big Cliff is really good. He's averaging 16.3 points and 10.3 rebounds. Andre Hyatt, the LSU transfer, is taking a big step this season so far from what he was doing last season. And they win this game. Yes. Javon, Javon's going to say no, but I think, like, they can they win this game? Absolutely. Like, you're getting a Rutgers team that's pretty, that, like I talked about earlier, has not been punched in the mouth in, in nine months. They haven't played basketball at the level that Temple is capable of playing basketball. And they're playing with possibly two of their guards gone. Is and like it's kind of things where like you have to take a step back and like in what scenario does Temple beat a Big Ten team that's made the tournament the last two years? They beat them in a neutral site in November, like on when when the other team hasn't played in a week and you've played twice during that time. Like it's possible the recipe's there. They've done it in the past. Temple always better than last year used to always just get like a random Power Five win early on in the year that they would kind of ride last year. I guess it was Vandy. I don't know if they're going to lose this game. I, th- I think big cliff might drop 30 on them mm-hmm. is my concern. Um, but yeah, I don't think this game's like insurmountable by any stretch. ESPN gives them like a 31% chance of winning. And I, I feel right. I feel right with that. Like a one out of three shot feels right. Sometimes that one out of three comes up heads. Hmm. Javon, what do you think? Can they? Yes. Am I going to give a prediction? Absolutely not. <clears throat> I'm willing to admit I'm not the person to ask for a score prediction right now. I think score uh, predicting college basketball is always weird anyway. Because, like, yeah. 
like football, it's kind of easy for us to like look and be like, okay, well, this team likes to do that. And that basketball, like it's kind of every game is just so different. I did well, say score, score I said, predicting, win loss prediction, same thing. We were pretty spot on last I week. I said 72 68 Temple for yeah. Nova, and it was 68 64. And, and like the way they won that game is exactly how we said that we're they're going to win that game. Like we were pretty spot on with last week's scoop. Yeah, and Kyle, what you just said breaking down this Rutgers game was 100 percent right. Um, like I said, I'm just not the guy to ask for a win loss prediction right now. I'm just not on the the hopeful side of things. Look, I honestly don't know. Like prior to you joining the scoop, would you say you were a negative person? Um, I don't even consider myself as negative. I think I'm just like a. I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna phrase that. I don't think you're reality. negative like in your life. But when oh, yeah, it no, comes I, to like sports, I think you're you te- you tend to trend negative. I call it grounded in reality. Uh, <laughs> but like people are so happy these days, and like especially when it comes to their sports teams, a lot of wishful thinking goes on. And that's I the don't point part- of sports. Yeah, I know, but like that's the thing. I'm a party pooper, cow. So like I don't partake <laughs> in too much wishful thinking. So. Um, you know, I guess I am negative in that. I thing. imagine, like, if, if Javon could go back in time, look, a little 10-year-old Javon goes back and, like, just goes back to the 72 Dolphins. Like, you guys suck. <laughs> you haven't played anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Larry Zonka? Give me a piece of Larry Zonka. You guys are terrible. <laughs> I don't know. They, 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 did, they did win undefeated. I, I wouldn't. I will say. I, go to I, them. I will say they. Yeah, I think that's that was the point. I will say <laughs> that. You have made me more like of a positive person. Like I, <laughs> that's what concerns me. Like I feel the need to just like sometimes take the stance of like it, we can't just always be doom and gloom. There has to be some light. There has to be always the possibility of of a good, of an got a good good getting yang thing going on here. Yeah, yeah stuff I don't like, like that. that. I don't like through. that. That's my thing. I'm supposed <laughs> to be a negative. <laughs> You're forcing me into a role that I that I shouldn't be playing. Hey, Kyle, you got to step out your comfort zone. That's how we evolve in life. I don't need to evolve, <laughs> man. I'm a father of two. Like, I am what I am. <laughs> um, we do have uh, we do have a couple of basketball mailbag questions to, to get to here. Um, we'll get to these before we start talking football. Uh, first uh, question here is from the screen name Vanter, I guess, V-A-N-T-R. Does an NIT appearance by Aaron McKee more time? Uh, it's a two-part question. Do, we'll just... Take this one first. Does it does a NIT appearance by Aaron McKee more time? What do they do in the NIT? Do they get blown out the first game? I don't know. You got to ask. Uh, or is it like 2015, 2016, where like they win? Let's say they if they if they win like two games in the NIT, like yeah, he's coming back. They're not gonna get rid of him over going twenty three and whatever and winning two games in the NIT. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. I'm with Kyle on this one. I'm deferring to the the outer statesman of the podcast. I just so. like, despite recent history, and like I understand people are going to point to like, oh, well, Brian Roland and blah blah, and Rod Carey. Like historically, Temple doesn't like to buy out contracts, or like, mm-hmm. to, I mean, if Brian Roland didn't buy out, they just let his contract expire. Like historically, if Temple can find a way to not spend money, it's going to not spend money. And McKee's mm-hmm. tenure is nowhere near as bad as Roger Charles Carey and and Brian Roland. No. <laughs> Well, that's so the second part of this question, any insight you can provide on the lens that Jason Wingard and Arthur Johnson are applying to athletics? I haven't seen them outline a clear vision that fans slash alumni can rally behind, but they do seem to be holding poor performers accountable, men's soccer, women's basketball and football. Uh, I, I really don't know. We haven't sat down and talked to I haven't met Jason Wingard. I haven't talked to Arthur about his his vision. I mean, I just think it's too. Way too soon. To tell on that, I think this is going to be a seesawish 
non-conference schedule where they might have to hope that like they get Houston twice or once a season. Twice. Twice. You got to hope at this point. Oh, here I am. I, I sound like I'm giving. Yeah. Say season. it, John. No, say it. You got it. Maybe I, like, what if they knock off Houston? What if they split with Houston? That's and none of this matters. Cause you just knocked off the one team in the nation. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Like I, I don't, I have not heard any sort of chatter about Aaron being on the hot seat. It's a weird time right now. I understand why fans are upset. Last night was, again, we already recapped it. They didn't defend well. There are issues going on with Caleb Battle. We'll see what happens. Cannot provide any insight on on the lens that Jason Wingard and Arthur Johnson are looking at this whole thing with Aaron McKee because we we just we just don't know. Um, well, in the grand scheme of things, I think is what this question is asking. Um, I will tell you. They claim to want to put butts in seats. Um, and this is another, you know, opportunity for me to go ahead and be more critical of these guys and less on their kids. Um, for a program that claims to want to put more butts in seats, they, they, they kind of like drop the ball on their marketing of a lot of these things, number one. Um, and I will tell you from the sourcing and talking to that myself and Caden have done, they are behind on a lot of modern things, such as embracing name, image, and likeness. Uh, so until they show me they can clean up that type of simple stuff, I don't care what they claim their lens is. They got to show me something because they have not shown anything at all. And I know it's a year into their tenure, but, you know, okay, you can you, you can fire who needs to get fired. Woohoo! can you do the other parts of your job? They haven't shown me that yet. Next mailbag question, Mike TB 31 is the screen name. Are you hearing any insider rumblings about battle and his struggles, mental or physical seems to have a disconnect with Aaron. I mean, we've talked about that. We, we talked about that a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Um, <laughs> we can skip right through it. We don't know specifically what happened last night, but again, we've talked about it. Aaron was pretty uh, fairly abrupt uh, when he talked about why Caleb battle didn't play more minutes. We will see what happens on Friday against Rutgers. We got a Temple football team to talk about. Heartbreaking, heartbreaking loss to the Houston Cougars. Uh, heartbreaking. Well, I mean, for them, hey, they did lose in the final minute. That's sure. heartbreaking. Like we talked about this a lot of this podcast. Like, wins and losses are not that important this year. I know, I, I know that. Know like I, I know I that do, you want to win every game. I do think, and I think I asked this of. of um, I of Stan, I didn't particularly phrase it this way, but on Monday when he spoke with reporters, you know, when they lost that Duke game, they lost 30 to nothing. I don't want to say he looked happy, but he kind of like was carrying the demeanor of a guy who was like, yeah, I kind of expected this. We didn't quit in the second half. And sure enough, yeah, they didn't really quit in the second half. And that was kind of a little bit of an indicator of things to come. Yes, they, their two wins at the time were over. Um, they beat Lafayette. They beat UMass. I feel like he's starting to just feel the losses a little bit more. You know, we had Greg Frank down there and Greg, Greg wrote about this in his game story. He said, uh, took him a short while to gather himself. He just seems like he's like, he's starting to see what they can potentially be. You know, say lose 43, 36 again, Houston's got their flaws. They're a better team than temple, but you know, I said to Stan on Monday, it feels like you're starting to like feel this more. Like you're starting to see what's possible. Again, they still got a ton of holes. They got to improve their mm -hmm. offensive line. They got to improve pretty much every position. He sees what's possible with EJ Warner, but um, yeah, 43, 36 game. 
you know, Temple had taken that 36-35 lead, and then Clayton Toon hits Matthew Golden on that deep ball. Miscommunication there involving um, Alex Odom. So they're three and seven, one and five by the American uh, in the American. Um, now they got a Cincinnati team, real good Cincinnati team coming to the link on Saturday at four o'clock. What what stood out about the Houston game to you guys before we preview this Bearcats team? Um, well, one kind of what you just talked about. The one thing I'll, that I kind of had like a flashback to while you were saying that is I vividly remember Nick Menta asking Rule in um the bowels of Shy Stadium, wherever the hell it was called at the time at Rutgers, saying like moral victories are over, right? Like at a certain point you gotta start winning these and rule being like, Yeah, like we need to start like figuring out how to like finish games and like do this and blah blah. And that's like the next step. Like we've shown that we can compete with these teams. Now we gotta show that we can beat them. And like odds are for Temple this year, that's probably happening next year. Like I don't I mean they could be ECU maybe. But like they're probably not beating Cincinnati this week. The thing that stuck out to me about the actual Houston game is I think there's always a moment in college football quarterbacks where it's like you as a fan or as an observer or whoever start to just trust the decision making of the quarterback. Like with PJ Walker, it became like, okay, if he gets a clean pocket and he decides to throw the ball one play, like odds are it's going to be a successful play. I think EJ Warner is already at that spot. I think his pre-snap reads and his ability to read a defense is so much better now the last two weeks than it was earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. A lot of that, I mean, I don't want to like discredit Danny Langsdorf because I think Danny Langsdorf has schemed up some like wonderful plays the last couple of weeks. Like they they have had open receivers on a lot of plays. Mm-hmm. And I think that the benefit, the, the strength of EJ Warner is his ability to pre-snap diagnose where that open receiver is going to be. He's getting mm-hmm. the ball out quick. He's getting it to Jose Barbone in pretty open spaces or Donica Sanders in a relatively open space. I think he's taken steps as a quarterback that you talk about, they need to improve pretty much everywhere. That's the one spot they probably don't need to improve upon because I can look at a lot of quarterbacks in college football that are, are on winning teams and are not as good as EJ Warner is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle, I'm glad you brought up the moral victories part. I think that's where rebuilding teams in all the sports start to go wrong. When they like keep having these close losses and they take too many moral victories and they don't have a coach that says, all right, now we've got to start winning these. As long as Drayton doesn't fall into that trap, Temple will be fine. Uh, what I saw was a team that, like I said, can't run the football, not using that USF game is anything. I'm sorry. Ed Sadie, don't know you personally, nothing against you. However, it's the South Florida Bulls with Jeff Scott as the head coach. Uh, Houston, like I said, we all came back down to this little tiny rock that we call Earth. (laughs) But E.J. Warner can play football. That's just cemented. Kyle touched on everything there is to touch on with E.J. Uh, And E.J., like, is so about his business. Like, you, you can't get much out of him except, like, he, he told me and Caden he does nothing but watch film and sleep. Like, there's nothing else to this guy but football. So, Temple may have its quarterback of the future. Got to learn how to close games, improve the offensive line, run the ball, everything else we've been saying throughout the year. Uh, but good performance, and I'm going to sound like a Debbie Downer again. But, again, last week, Kyle – we were spot on. We said it. This is a down year from Houston. This is a game a, that we 
expected them to look bad in, and that's exactly what happened. Well, I'm just gonna say this. I know people take a lot of shots at Temple's like attendance and like fair, like rightfully so a lot, but like yes. Houston four or five years ago was like a marquee, like they had mm-hmm. 35, 40,000 people in the seats. Mm-hmm. They had just as bad of attendance as Temple this year. Yeah. They announced yeah. tw- they announced 21,000. There were 7,000 people in the stands. I mean, you know, that's a blanket statement. I mean, like attendance is down everywhere. We've talked about it before. I mean, unless you're one of the blue blood programs, it's very up and down with attendance. There are all sorts of theories and there's research that's been done as to why people don't go to games anymore. But yeah, that was uh, but it, very sparsely said a game. But if you're a Temple fan, you're like, I want Temple to get to the ACC, like blah, blah, blah. Like all they got to do is start getting butts in the seats and they'll do that. No, that's not it. Like the reason Houston's in the Big 12 now has nothing to do with their butts in the seats attendance, because if so, they would still be in Conference USA. I even going back to, to EJ Warner and his receivers. I mean, it might sound like a small thing. I even think that was uh, aside from the obvious fact that it gave him a 36 35 lead. I thought that was a big moment for Zay Baines, even though that was a quick, yeah. you know, bang, bang play on was confident. three. Like, a lot of confidence on both ends there. Even though EJ put it right on him, when you're running that route very abruptly, it still takes concentration. Like, catch that ball mm-hmm. the goal line right away, thinking, am I going to get hit? Pulled it in. And, and and Stan seems to be very encouraged when he talks about Zay. He's like, he's come a long way. There's been a lot of development there on the field, off the field. Obviously, a guy that's going to have to play a heck of a lot more snaps for him next year. So, but at the end of the day... Yeah, I- I think they needed somebody to grow at that position. I think they were desperate for somebody to grow mm-hmm. that type of wide receiver. I think that's why you saw Juan Mathis transition mm-hmm. to that wide out. And it looks like Zay Baines has been the one to kind of take that opportunity. Mm-hmm. With Ian Stewart being out. So with Ian Stewart being out, Kyle's going to dip out from the podcast. My video's gone. Kyle just Kyle just threw us off here on Zoom. His videos, his video's gone. He has disappeared into a cloak of secrecy. What in the world? Anyway, this is not getting edited out, by the way. <laughs> Since he's eight and two, they're ranked 22nd in this week's AP poll, 25th in the college football playoff rankings. So they've lost to Arkansas. They lost to Arkansas in their season opener at UCF on uh, October 29th. They beat Navy 20 to 10 the week after that. So Navy played them tough. And they held on to beat ECU 27 25 last week. So they're uh, they're jumping on teams in the second quarter a lot. They're outscoring teams in the second quarter, one sixteen to sixty two. Kyle's video is back, just in case you as listeners are wondering. Uh, they've got a stud on defense in, in Ivan Pace Jr.'s Miami Miami Ohio transfer, one hundred and four tackles, nineteen tackles for loss, nine sacks. All of those totals lead the Americans. So if you thought Temple was Struggling to run the ball last week against Houston and, and EJ Warner picked up the pace last week. Of course, um, you know, they've got a, an exceptional, exceptional linebacker there. Um, since he's tied with Temple for the most sacks in the American with 32, but they've also allowed 25 sacks. So, I, I mean, again, we can go down the list here. They've got a pretty solid running back in Charles McClellan. Ben Bryant, one of the more interesting stories in college football. Played three years at Cincy. Played last season at Eastern Michigan. Comes back to Cincy. Has put up some pretty solid numbers, 2,600 yards, 20 TDs, seven seven picks. Um, but they could potentially get to him. Again, this is a Cincinnati team that has given up sacks. This was the storyline last week. Part of the storyline last week, Stan Drayton said, we have to pressure Clayton Toon. They did not. One of the things we haven't talked about yet is there were some near misses there. There were some chances the Temple had to wrap up Clayton Toon, and they didn't. The game might have turned out differently. I mean, it sounds so glaringly obvious, but again, if you want to upset the 22nd team in the country, I think the only way, one of the only ways they're going to do it is if they can 
get through and, and force a couple of Ben Bryant mistakes. Otherwise, I think we know that I'm not saying they're in for a long afternoon. I, I actually think this is going to be a competitive game. I'm not, I don't know if I'm willing to predict the Temple is going to win it, but what what are you guys feeling? No, about? no I, I want to hear your score prediction before me and Kyle even give an opinion of this game. I'm putting you I'm, on the spot. 31-24 Cincinnati. I think Temple's going to play them hard. I you think know what? I think they're trending in the right direction. Again, anybody could see that they have obvious needs on both sides of the ball. I think they're going to play them tough and lose. Kyle, we told John last week we want him to just start saying what he means, getting right to the <laughs> point with it. And you know what? I like this, John, because I've been seeing it from him all week. I'm going to clap it up for him. I, I like this, John. <laughs> Not like I didn't like the old John, but this one with a little bit of spice to him. Like, yeah, I'm liking it. I spent 13 years of John hedging everything he says. So uh, I'm used to it at this point. Um, I don't think this is like, I think this is a good Cincinnati team, right? Like, obviously, like they're, I'm going to say the number 25 because once it gets to this point, I think college football playoff rankings makes comes their official thing. So the number right. 25 Cincinnati, they're not previous years Cincinnati's by right. any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. I was never a Desmond Ritter fan, but Ben Bryan is not Desmond Ritter. No. I think, I think big time programs should do exactly what just happened with big with ben bryant though like hey we have an established guy we love you next year you go play somewhere for a year okay mm-hmm. go transfer to eastern michigan get some snaps start 12 games and then come back to us i mean mm-hmm. west virginia dated uh it happened with david sills a little bit though david sills like went to juco transitioned to wide receiver came back georgia stetson bennett like there have been some bounce backs but like i would do it every time if i'm nick saban i'm like i got a redshirt junior i'm like why don't you go play at Troy? Go play at Troy uh, for a year. Uh, Ypsilanti is beautiful this time of the year. Yeah, go do that and then come back. <laughs> go and throw you got around to... the pigskin out there. See what happens. But he's, got, but he's exactly kind of what you'd expect with like a fifth-year, six-year guy. Cool head, good decision-maker. Um, when he thrives against blitzes, which tells me that he's very confident in their playbook and knows where the ball needs to go. He has a 9-0 to zero touchdown to interception ratio when he's blitz versus 11-7 and seven when they're dropping back and not blitzing him. So that's an interesting stat. Uh, he does. He'll chuck it deep five or six times. A game they still have good wide receivers. All their skilled uh, players at wide receiver are pretty much back from last year. Trey Tucker, who Temple almost got uh, before Cincinnati came in late and got him from Cuyahoga Falls out in Ohio. Um, like I said, Ivan, yeah, Ivan Pace, that. Ivan Pace is everywhere, but he's kind of like a Leighton Jordan in the sense that like he misses tackles and you just kind of live with it because he's so dynamic and he's everywhere. He's number four in the conference with 16 missed tackles. So like he'll whiff on one or two a game, but he'll make 12. So you're kind of okay with it. Um, Jaquan Shepard, former Temple commit, is one of their starting corners. That's where Cincinnati might be able to get exposed. Mm-hmm. Sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant, those guys are gone. Mm-hmm. Like now you got Jaquan Shepard who was committed to Temple for like two months under Jeff Collins before flipping to Cincinnati. He waited his turn, finally getting a, uh, a shot as like a registered senior, but isn't that great? And the other quarter, Arquan Smith was their nickel guy last year. He's finally getting the opportunity to move outside and is not having the senior year that I think he hoped he would. Yeah, he has two picks, but people throw on him. Um, like they like people take chances against his Cincinnati corners team, uh, corners group. I think that Cincinnati is going to struggle at times to move the ball offensively. But I, I still think Temple loses this game. I would say Cincinnati 27, um, Temple 20. So I'll say a seven-point game as well. Um, got, the spread's 17, so mm. we're a little more optimistic than Vegas. I think, like, oof. I look at Temple the past few weeks, and then, like Kyle said, 
this isn't well, I can't call it your granddad Cincinnati Bearcats because it's like <laughs> a two year stretch. So, but this <laughs> this isn't my Cincinnati Bearcats. I don't know what the hell I'd call it, but it, it isn't them. Cincinnati Bearcats. Um, and just like I look at Ben Bryant, sixty two percent, you know, completion rate doesn't really do much for me. You know what I mean, Cal? Like, doesn't really get me flowing. And I look at Temple's defense and how disruptive it can be against the pass. Not going to choose Temple to win. Certainly not going to choose them to get blown out. Like 28 to 20 is a very strong possibility. I am going to tell the fans, I have the inside scoop that this won't be a crazy game because Caden Steele is not writing the IA for the Inquirer. I promise you every game story he's been assigned, some just something has to happen in the game that he writes. So and he's frenzied and then he's spilling crumbs on his laptop. Yes, yes, that's what happens. Um, I'm writing this game. We love so the game. If there's no fireworks, blame me. Uh but yeah, twenty eight to twenty bearcats. First time in a while that Temple's not gonna have to worry about a mobile quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like like not that Clayton Toon was out there, you know, pointing flowers in them, but like he was a playmaker at times with his feet and Ben Ben is not that. So uh hopefully that's one less thing they have to game plan for. Or for all I know, Ben Bryant's gonna go out and rush for seventy five yards and that'll be that. A Ben in Ohio can't really make plays with his feet. Hmm. Sounds like somebody I know. Ben used to be athletic. Wait, when he was at Miami, Ohio, Ben Roethlisberger wasn't like a statue. Oh yeah, no. When he became Ben Cheeseburger is when he got to that point. So big, he got so big. (laughs) Um, Before we close out here, we got a little bit of audio of Upstands Rating talking about the Cincinnati Bearcats team, the Temples playing on Saturday, talking about a little bit about Ivan Pace here. Uh, so here's a little bit about Stan Drayton from his Monday press conference talking about Cincinnati. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, Cincinnati is a very tenacious ball club. They play very hard. They play very hard. They're very confident uh, defensively. You know, their middle linebacker, number zero, will be the best linebacker we faced all year. Uh, they got a nose tackle that is legit as well. We got corners that can cover. Um, good team speed all around. Um, offensively, they're very balanced. You know, um, they got running backs that have really good contact balance. They play on contact very well. Uh, we got to tackle our butts off if we stand a chance against them in the run game. And um, I tell you what, they've got uh, two receivers that can flat out go get it. Big play making guys, you know. So um, the way they, they play, their style of play, uh, all three phases play hard as hell. Um, we got a, we got our challenge, you know, a nice little challenge ahead of us for sure, you know, and, um, you know, we got to play our best game to be competitive with them. That's for sure. But uh, I'm excited about the opportunity. This is why you, this is why you practice every day. This is why you, you know, you know, make the commitment to to team, you know, to your teammates and, uh, you know, for opportunities like this, you know, so um, again, looking forward to it. Guys, any closing thoughts between uh, before we head to this uh, eventful weekend of Temple Sports? We've got Temple Rutgers Friday, Temple Cincy football Saturday. Um, I don't know if – well, are we going to have a scoop next week with Thanksgiving? At the very least, I bet you, you know people probably aren't going to be listening to the scoop much next week, so I'm sure there's some people listening now that will not be listening next week. We could. We could do like a Tuesday scoop. Football is over in like 10 days. Yeah, like next Saturday the season's over. There's gonna be a lot of turnover. I I I think 
I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they lose like a coach because like it's rare that coaching staffs stay mm-hmm. the same. John, I don't know if you're frozen or if you're just very bored. Am I frozen again? We I see you, but oh, if you okay. can't see us, you've go. got something no. going on. Okay. I, I saw Javon moving. I didn't see John. I just saw like a literal, like lazy, like Empire Strikes Back pose, some carbonite. No, I'm very um, much. Yeah. So, like, I think there's going to be a time, a, a tumultuous time in Tumble football in like, in like a good way. Like, I think there's this is the offseason you're going to see a fair amount of like roster turnover. So, yeah. Um, yeah, they have like commits right now. They have a fair number of commits. I think it's 19, but like, it's going to be a lot yeah, of 18, transfer. Board. 18 verbals. They did get one, we should say, from, from Xavier Irvin, a wide receiver down in Miami. Uh, we'll have uh have a story up um by the time you're listening to this from Eric King made an all conference team up there. Uh, Johnny Zwizlak talked to him uh just about um just about Temple thought more thoughts on his recruitment. If you're an alscoop.com subscriber, you can read that. But yeah, like Kyle said, things are gonna be ramping up pretty soon. Signing day is well a little bit more than just like the 15th or something, right? No, the 21st, right? December 21st. So we're almost a month away from signing day. Roster turnover could be coming. Like Kyle said, it's a minor miracle if staffs don't lose at least one or maybe two coaches. So, yeah. I wonder how nervous Johnny was doing that recruiting story. I need to hear him do a recruiting <laughs> story once. Like, I love Johnny, but, like, Johnny's such a sweetheart. I, don't, I, I need to hear him conduct one of his interviews with the high school kid. Do not, like, do not poison the well with our interns. With our, oh, oh, no, no, they love me. There and get him all negative. Okay. <laughs> Oh, oh no, no, Johnny, Johnny's too positive. Now, Liam, Liam is the one that resembles you and I the most, uh, Kyle. Like he don't is a with you. very I'm an optimist. You oh, now Johnny, you're an optimist. Kyle, now you're leaving me by myself. Johnny is such a dedicated Phillies fan that when he watches important Phillies games, he pitches along with the pitcher at home, and he swings with the hitters too. Yep. I've seen it live and in living color. Yeah. Yeah, Kyle's speechless. I've never <laughs> seen this. <laughs> what? Yes. He will get up there and simulate, like, he, he will pitch, right? So you're telling me Suarez. every single, like, important Phillies game, he, he's putting 140, like, pitches on his elbow. I yeah. told him he's going to have Tommy John surgery. You're going to have tennis years. elbow or Tommy John surgery and have never picked up the ball. Yeah. Like, maybe they can get a two-for-one with him and Harper. <laughs> It'll be a story for him to tell his kids. <laughs> The dish we're most excited for next week, and you can't say turkey. Mm. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm all I'm, for I'm, recording next week, by the way. I could talk food the whole time. But, yeah, let's the mo- dish I'm, you're most excited for next week. I, I'm popping off in like a minute. I, I'm pretty basic with that. I love stuffing. Um, my yes. future sister-in-law, my my brother-in-law's fiance, makes a, a good monkey bread. I, I kind of like everything Thanksgiving, but I'm not like specifically looking for like, oh, I can't wait until I have yams. Like, I just like it all. I'm making yams for the Temple News potluck tonight. Are you? The potluck yeah. this early? Yeah. Everybody's going home. I guess everyone so. goes home because what times what time's dinner? Eight. That's late. But John's a late eater too. But you know, I'm old. I'm at dinner at six, which is why I'm dropping off in a minute because I'm ten minutes late for my dinner. <laughs> stuffing for me. My mother in law makes an, an incredible, incredible stuffing. Devon, are you a tur- do you like turkey? Do you not like turkey? Oh yeah, my mom knows how to cook. So like the turkey is nice and moist. Dark meat, wonderful. Yeah, I, like I get that. Like it's like in vogue where people are like, oh, well, turkey sucks. Turkey when it's done well is like a perfectly like good meat. So yeah. like if somebody actually knows how like cook a bird, like yeah, it's good. Fine. Have you heard Zach Gelb's rant about how he hates turkey and his family always? He eats lasagna on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I texted him like to enjoy his lasagna last Thanksgiving. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why? 
<laughs> Why did you text Zach Galifianakis? Well, like you know, you gotta like you gotta keep touching base with people, you know. And it's it, like I guess that's the difference. You're like you're viewing Zach like the way you should, which is like he's like an established national radio host. I'm remembering the 18 year old Zach that I met. That like, <laughs> like I, I'm not processing him as the national guy. I'm processing him as the guy that I've, yeah that we've known for a decade. <laughs> Zach and his, uh, I'm Italian and we don't even have lasagna on Thanksgiving. I don't know. Maybe we'll switch things up this year, but I doubt it. Anyway, we may be with you next week. We may not. We'll see how the schedule plays out. Thanks for listening to another episode. Kyle, go enjoy your dinner. We'll talk to you guys next week.